coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are. You're listening to the VIP Jazzwell Report. There's a saying that the best things in life are free, but I'm really not convinced if that is necessarily true because if I was to be the best that I can be, well, that would cost me a great deal in terms of changing myself, sacrifice, compromise, and in general, a great deal of work. And according to my wife, that would be too big a price to pay because I would have a lot of work to do. Our guest today is one of my first guests that I had on when the VIP Jazz War Report began, and it's an honor to welcome back John Dow Jr., author of Heroes, Mentors, and Friends. Welcome to the show, John. VIP, it's so great to be here with you again. Thank you, sir, and welcome back. Here's my dilemma. I love watching the inspirational and motivational speakers that fill our lives in today's world because, you know, they, they touch something in my soul. They hit a nerve. But the dilemma comes into play in that I find it difficult to be what they want off me. You know, like I'd said before in the intro, you know, the best things in life are free, but to be the best of me, I'd have to pay a very high price. Mm. And maybe I need a smaller step to begin my journey. Instead of becoming the best, at least I can become better. You know, the, what you're saying is not just your dilemma, it is many, it is the dilemma of many. You know, we see these giant towering figures, you know, we know all the names, we, we've seen all their books, but that journey in our mind seems so far out of reach, especially with our busy nine to five lives. You know, mo what many that we talk to, your listeners, they may have two jobs and three jobs. And finding that way to leave their current life, to pursue that greatness, is, is in their minds impossible. And I want to share with you ways to do it that are reachable and approachable, and that's through my experience. And I wrote my book, Heroes, Medicine, Friends, and it shares tools on how we can bring some meaning in our 9-to-5, very busy 9-to-5 life. You know, you actually talk about having two journeys of life, whereas everyone else, all the motivational rock stars, they talk about just the one journey. And having read your book, you actually talk about the earth journey and the spiritual journey. So what's the meaning of each? I discovered this when, uh, on, on my 50th birthday, I had the biggest blessing of my life. Mm. I was let go. I was downsized. And I lost my job. And at that moment in my life, I had the decision to make, do I want to try to replicate a broadcast manager position that gave me great money? I would have had to move away from my family, my daughter, my son. Or do I want to pursue something that was in me for a few years? And writing a book, sharing tools on some of my successes, how I got there, and, so, and, and some of my pitfalls and how I get through them. And I discovered through my spirituality, that we are on two journeys. Now, when I say spirituality, I'm not talking about church. Now, I go to church, and I believe in, in the structured idea of religion. But what I'm talking about is an inner journey that we're all on. And I, as you pointed out, I call our earth journey mm -hmm. our jobs, paying our bills, interacting with our family, competition, winning, making money, the acquirement of things. The words I associate with our earth journey is us and them, competing, money, winning, not so happy words like revenge, envy, anger, hate, the feeling of lack. That's our earth journey. 
that we all go through every day. So a day-to-day activities. Yeah, a day-to-day activities to get through our daily life. Now, our spiritual journey is the timeless journey, and I'm going to get a little bit... Uh, I'm going to ask the listeners to take a leap of faith with me for a moment and just open up and, and believe for a moment. Our spiritual journey is the journey of what I call our soul. It is the energy that is here before we're born, during our earth physical experience, and that energy that is here after we're gone. I believe this is an eternal energy that is in us. And it's the same energy that powers the sun, that grows the trees, that has created the worlds and the oceans around us. I believe we're part of that bigness. And I think most people believe there's something in us that is bigger than us. We're in the world, but not necessarily of this world. It's something much more magnificent. And we experience that when we look at a toddler smile at us, when our daughter or son calls us and says, I love you, Dad, or our cat comes and snuggles up that unbelievable feeling of happiness and gratitude, that is a code that has been with us for for all eternity. So our spiritual journey is that eternal, timeless journey that we're on. And I let's look at the words we associate with our spiritual journey. Love, gratitude, giving, compassion, forgiveness, acceptance. And once I, for me, now this is me talking, for me, once I discovered through some ups and downs in my life, those two journeys, when I began to filter my day-to-day earth journey using that list of words on the spiritual journey, using that spiritual path, something miraculous started to happen. Things started to come together for me just a little bit easier. I began to experience and discover tools on how to shut off my judging mind, which we all have, not just you or our listeners, but I have it too. Mm -hmm. But when we live on that spiritual journey, and I'll get into this a little bit later, the earth journey seems to come together automatically. And the things that you dream about and you want begin not to feel, as you pointed out earlier, being that bigger person that your wife says you think she thinks you can be or maybe doesn't think you can be, those reaches, when we live our life in the spiritual journey, don't seem so far away. Well, every journey has a destination. Yeah. So the destination of our earth journey, is that what we would ultimately accomplish through what we control? And the destination of the spiritual journey, would that be left to destiny? Well, you know, Vip, I'd like to believe that the control we have in our earth life is somewhat, you you can argue that we have no control Mm. of some of the things that happen around us. Some of the circumstances that happen to us, we can't control. We can't control the weather. We can't control traffic. What we can control is how we react and how we act through when life's twists and turns appear before us. And learning to live on the spiritual journey, using those words, and discovering a well-being from within, tapping into that bigger energy, 
that we all came from, you start to see that your external earth journey, it's called the journey of the ego, if we study up on it, which I believe is the journey of the ego, we start to see that we don't need to control things, that things start to fall into place for us automatically. And when the things happen like someone cuts us off on the highway, instead of throwing them the bird, we send them a silent blessing. You, you, you um, that would be asking a lot. Well, it, it, it is when you look at yourself, and I look at myself as separate from everything around us. When you look at yourself separate from that guy that cuts you off, that's when it becomes tough. What I'm asking to consider is that we're all one. We're all the same. When we go on a nature hike and we look at the variety of different plants and trees, we don't say, oh, that tree is ugly. This tree is much beautiful. We say, those are beautiful trees. But in our human existence, that's when we say, that person hurt me. Do you see what I'm saying? We, we become separate. And what I'm, stretch, when I, what I'm asking you to, to look at is the sense of oneness, that we're all connected. And when we understand that, the feeling of revenge, the feeling of retaliation, the feeling of us and them, and I, I can say, for me, begins to dissolve. You know, I was giving this some thought uh, last night. We have a billion-dollar industry in cosmetics that make ourselves prettier. Yeah? yeah. We have a billion-dollar exercise industry that makes our bodies fitter. So this whole motivation and inspirational industry Is it just another form of cosmetics for our emotions where billions of dollars are made selling hope? I'm okay with exercise. Mm. I believe in exercise. I believe in keeping our bodies healthy and fit with the right foods, the right exercise, the right training. But when we are disconnected from that, our higher self, that spiritual energy that we came from, that we somehow forgot over time after we get our first toy, we get our first G.I. Joe, our first Barbie, the, the dolls and the things that look a little better than, than the, our human friends and ourselves. Right. We look at the magazines and those women in those magazines that are photoshopped look almost superhuman. And from the minute you get them at a young, when you're a young age or a young man and you're looking like a football player, you start to want to artificially make you look like that because our judging mind says you don't. What I'm proposing is we don't need any of that. We are perfect in the sense of we were born as this spiritual being in a human experience. And when you unlock that inner peace, that connection to the same power that powers the earth, powers the sun, powers the trees to give us oxygen, you realize we are more than these bodies. And you then don't attach yourself to it. So is this energy that you're talking about, is it just in a simple way, if I was to break it down, is it just God? You can call it that. I call it that. It is that energy that has been here for all of time, and it 
it's that energy that is a loving, beautiful, perfect energy. Mm. And our mission on earth in our physical time is to simply serve others, is to live out the highest expression of who we're supposed to be, which is our soul. And it starts with giving and serving others. Now, that doesn't mean you have to quit your job and work at a soup kitchen. Right. It means in everyday actions, in the interaction with others, our job is to help others through their own, well, on their own journey, their own, to discover their own soul's agenda. And by that way, by, by, by helping them discover their soul's agenda, we discover our own. And the suffering that we see around the earth is those that have not discovered that connection I'm talking about. That's the journey. You know, this is, one of the, this is one of the main generations where we've been encouraged to find ourself. You, you look at this whole motivational, inspirational industry. It's all about, like I said, being who you can be, finding yourself, finding your purpose. Um, but I look at my mother, and she dedicated her life to her children. She never really gave a thought to finding meaning of her life. Her purpose was us. Um, yet at the same time, she had a great business instinct, and if she wanted, she could have actually um, become a great businesswoman in her younger days. But she never regrets her sacrifice for her children. So do you think in this generation, we're trying to actually create more challenges for ourselves in this pursuit of finding ourselves? That's an excellent question. Let me comment on your mom. Your mom, you told me, and you told our listeners, that your mom never had to find meaning because she had already discovered it through serving you and taking care of you. That was her love. That was her part of her soul's agenda. And if you even said that she had the skills, and did you say she did have a business? No, she had okay. the skills of a businesswoman. Right. So she found meaning in her service to you and in your siblings. To answer your question, the biggest lack, and commerce has turned this into an industry, is fulfillment, the search for fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And and the and, and and America has found a way to package it and sell it, and that in in a in a way it's not the worst thing. If bringing people away from this BMW is going to bring meaning into your life, to know finding your purpose is going to bring meaning. That's a good first step. I'm happy to see that rather than uh, the acquirement of things to make you happy. Because you're, in my experience, having money and having that great job was very satisfying. But it, there was a lack in my life. And I know many very successful people, wealthy people, that talk to me and they say, you seem so happy today. How do you do it? And they have millions more. <laughs> I'm not a millionaire by any stretch of the imagination. But what I've discovered is when you live your life on the spiritual journey, discovering that energy that is in all of us, that beautiful energy called God, you tend to look at life from a place of abundance. You tend to look at life from a place of how may I serve? And the judgment, the judgmental mind tends to shut off. 
and you end up being in a place of always giving. And when that happens, Vip, the universe, and I'll say that word universe because it's a little bit overused, but the universe starts to serve you back. Well, you know, we always talk about millionaires being unhappy. But the guy who said less is more never had more. You know what I mean? No, you know. I would rather be unhappy on a private yacht in the Mediterranean than being unhappy uh, in a ghetto. Well, you know, it's all perspective. Mm. There's nothing wrong with, with, with having wealth. I'm not downing money. I'm not downing ambition. What I'm saying is that the true meaning of happiness may not come for some from money, may not come from some from wealth. And yes, in that perspective, the person in the ghetto may not be happy as the person on the yacht, but there are billions on this planet that don't have a yacht. And there are ways and tools that we can discover that you don't need the yacht to be, and I'm going to go out on the limb and say, just as happy. Now, you've used Um, the word discover a lot, okay? mm -hmm. That's another way of saying learning. Society encourages us to continue to learn. Um, You're encouraging us to continue to discover. Who should we discover from? Who should be our teachers? So many people out there. How do I decide? Because I can't learn from everybody. I would start with yourself. I would start with yourself and asking yourself Mm. these questions. Am I happy with my current life? Wife? What's that? Did you say wife? No, no. (laughs) 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 Am I? Well, that's another show. That's totally another show. (laughs) Am I happy with my current life? Mm. Am I fulfilled? And do I believe in myself enough that I can make some changes to discover and learn how to bring more fulfillment in my life? And what will happen is when we could take some time to – we should talk about this a little bit later in the show – discovering meditation, learning how to meditate, Mm -hmm. learning how to quiet your mind, and uh, aligning yourself – with that energy we talked about earlier. You know, it was funny. I was working out this morning, very excited to talk to you. I was on the uh, elliptical, and I had some uh, music in my, my uh, iPod. You were thinking of me in your sweaty gym shorts. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm I, honored. I think, I think of you a lot. I do. I will be honest. I'll be honest. I think of you a lot. <laughs> You're one of my teachers and my inspirations. I was watching. They had the TV on in the gym, and I was watching uh, one of the, the morning talk shows. And... I don't watch TV news much anymore. I, I don't. Uh, it's the world. It, it, I, I'm looking to serve and give, and not judge, and not. Uh, I don't need to be that aware of the news because mm. if something happens that affects me, I know someone that loves me will call me. Let me know. But I, I had the, they had the Today Show on in the background, and there are seven people. There is the movement in the background on the. Uh, uh, the 30 Rock uh, Road out there. Right. They had the graphic at the bottom moving. They had the time and temperature. And there was a, uh, a, a, a news report where they went to the reporter in the studio. And behind the reporter, they had like eight TVs with all different things happening. 
the stimulus that we are experiencing today with our smartphones, with media, with Facebook, with all the social media, just because we may not be paying attention to it, that doesn't mean that our thinking conscious mind does not pick up on it. With all of that data coming in in this high-speed information age, our natural intuition can be blocked from it. I mentioned to you when we were preparing for our call, the Pony Express in March celebrated, if it was still here, the Pony Express celebrated its 145th anniversary. Just 145 years ago, Vib, men on horses delivered the news. Ten men on ten horses rode from Missouri to San Francisco delivering the news. That was just 145 years ago. What is technology going to bring us in just 10 or 20 or 30 short years? And that is what's happening around the globe. The speeding up of time, the speeding up of experiences. Every email we get is an, ex- is an experience. Every Facebook post, we read it, we take it in, and we may react to it. The experiences in our life are speeding up so quickly that we're moving away from the intuition and our bigger part of ourselves, and we're living in the mind and not the heart. So the first teacher should be ourself when I ask you who should be our teachers. The first teacher should be ourself, and the question we should ask is, am I ready to do the homework? Well, your first question was, am I happy with myself? That's right. Now, here's my thing. If I said yes, I'm actually brainwashed by society where... If I said, yes, am I happy? I could be accused of not having a sense of ambition. And if I don't have a sense of ambition, then I'm considered a useless individual in society. People praise ambition. They want to see the level of greed and need in in, in someone. That's how you're assessed. That's possibly wrong. My response to that is, who cares what society thinks? Who cares? All of the great leaders of our time and mm-hmm. before, they didn't march to the path of society. Look at every great leader. Albert Einstein, Jesus Christ, Gandhi, Martin Luther King. The greatness does not come from following the path of, of others. It's following your own journey, creating the path and leaving a trail. So, again, going back to your question, discovering your own self-awareness, discovering that you're a spiritual being, a human experience, discovering that you have a soul, and discovering what that soul's agenda is. And the most important day, as Mark Twain said, the most important day in your life, too, the day you're born and the day you find out why. So the first, the first answer is discovering that you have a higher power, discovering that you're not just this body, not just this skin, not just this hair, but a spiritual, miraculous person in a spiritual experience that has access to thousands of years of intuition and wisdom. You see, that wouldn't fly when I have an argument with my wife. If I told her that I'm the special, miraculous human being... You, would you say to her, why is there an argument? 
Why? You, I think the issue would be you have rather than married, argue, my friend. <laughs> what's that? No, no. Yeah. Here, here we are. Here we are. The, the argument mm. is show her with action. Show her with action. Show her how you are this person that's on a spiritual journey looking to be just a little bit better each day. I'll try that. Yeah. Show her with action. Give me an example of what the argument would be. Okay. Uh, give me an example. Now, how do we go about through the process of learning? How do we teach ourselves? If we are the first teacher, the first go-to teacher, how do we teach ourselves? Give me three quick steps. You have to forgive yourself. You have to accept who you are and love yourself. Loving yourself and forgiving yourself are the first two steps. Then the next step is there's many ways to look and tap into this experience of the the spiritual journey. I discovered and learned how to meditate. Well, before and, we get to meditate, how do I not cross that fine line between understanding self and becoming selfish? That's an excellent question. Put others first. Put others first. How do you do that? We all live in a place of love or mm -hmm. fear. It's very simple. If you are saying, I can't put someone else first, John, because that person hurts me, you're saying that there's not enough love for you in the world to make you happy. I can't give that person love and forgiveness and compassion because I will drain my own. It's not the case. Put others first. The quickest way to move from anxiety and lack and fear is to think about someone else. When you tap into that, it opens up an entire world of gratitude and beautiful energy and love, and you'll feel unbelievable. You come across as a guy with a strong sense of calmness. Do you ever get angry or volatile? You know, it's funny. I'm getting married uh, at the end of the month. And, my sympathies. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my fiance, when we have a disagreement about wedding planning, and I may, I may get frustrated, she will say, where's the Heroes Medicine Friends guy now? Where's that guy? And it's, it's very disarming and humbling. And that's my journey. That's the distance I'm on to discover that person I'm trying to be. So, yeah, it's all we're human. I, I think there's no, there's no one size fits all. Now, you to told this. me earlier in the show you meditate. I meditate, and uh, it's one of the most amazing, miraculous tools that changed my life. I find uh, it almost similar to maybe, say, yoga in terms of, and I've never meditated before. So to me, my first impression is it's bizarre. Um, it's unsettling because of its supposed calmness, and I'm not used to a world of calm. Especially uh, working in New York, huh? <laughs> yeah, especially working in New York. Um, being married, being a father. Um, no, yeah. Uh, kidding, but... What's the process? And, and the reason I, you know, really got you on the show um, was because you're not the typical motivational rock star. I, 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 and I think that's your strength. I see you as an ordinary man 
helping transform the ordinary lives of people into their extraordinary life. And one of the things you discussed was meditation. So break it down very simply for someone like me who's never done it before, how it works, what am I supposed to achieve? Meditation, I believe in the next five years, is going to be something that's very mainstream and very accessible and very uh, household uh, in, the, in the next few years. <clears throat> meditation is unlike prayer. Prayer when we pray to God, mm. pray to the universe, pray to that power, pray to nature, whatever we want to call it, we send the energy out. It's a prayer of thanks. Thank you, God, for getting me through this rough day at work. Thank you, God, for this beautiful day. Thank you, God, for curing my son who is ill. We send the energy out. We ask for things. Please, God, let me be able to pay the rent this month. Please, God, let this billion-dollar deal go through. We send the energy out. Meditation, Vip, is the opposite. It's letting the messages and answers come in. Mm. There's a great story, a guy, an old gentleman walking on the beach saying, I've been ill, I've been stressed, uh, walking with an, uh, an old wise man, and he says, I've been talking to God for years now, but lately I, I've run out of words and I just walk. And the old wise man said, great, it must be time to listen. That's what meditation is. That's funny because I thought meditation and prayer were the same thing, that you pray while you meditate. No, no. Meditation is slowing down the thought. Science has proven that meditation lowers blood pressure, creates energy. A woman in California, a college college professor, did a study with her 20 students teaching them how to meditate, she found that their grades went up. 70 or 80% of the students' grades went up. Their compassion for each other went up. Their ability to act in adverse situations with poison control went up. It's proven, and it's real. And I've had great experiences with it. It, Basically, I'm going to walk you through it right now. I have a room at home, and it's it's, uh, a couch with a little bit of a, an end table, and I have on this table three candles. I have some pictures of one of my favorite places on earth, Sedona, Arizona, which is a very spiritual place. Mm-hmm. When I meditate, I alert everyone in the house that I'm meditating, and if you can give me 20 minutes, please don't disturb me. I do it twice a day. I do it in the morning as early as possible. I try to wake up, and then I get the sleep out of my eyes, kind of get a rhythm going, and then I meditate. And I do it again before, you know, a few hours before uh, sleep time. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain that why in a minute. I walk into the room, I sit down, I bring on some meditation music with my earbuds into my iPhone. I have three or four different types of beautiful meditation music. You can buy it anywhere online. The meditation music helps me block out the entire outside world of noise. And what the meditation does, it shuts off the judgmental mind and creates over time, and I'm going to use a physical metaphor of a pillow. If someone nudged you, let's say I was in your office there in New York and I decided to nudge you, meditation puts a pillow between my hand and your body, so it takes the impact. So 
let's look at the nudge as life's adversity. When adversity hits you, meditation over time allows you to witness the adversity rather than instantly react to it. And the reaction time is actually slowed down, and you actually can react with a better answer, a better reaction, more poise, and more control. That's the result of meditation. But right now, you're sitting down in the room. You've got your three candles on. You've got your music. Is there any particular posture? Yes. I'll get back into the actual execution of it. Hmm. You're sitting up. You have to sit up. I decide to sit up and keep my feet on the floor and put my hands in my lap with my palms open facing up as a welcoming metaphor. I want to welcome the answers, welcome the, the energy. You're sitting on the floor. You're not sitting on a no, couch. No, no, I'm sitting on a couch. Oh, you're sitting on a couch. Sitting on a couch. Okay. I'm sitting up. You want to be comfortable. Meditation is, once you get, get your arms around it, it's really easy. There's no one size fits all. For me, I sit on the couch. I light the candles. I start the music. I make sure there's no interruptions. Right. And then I simply, to activate the meditation, I start breathing. And I just take deep breaths. And I breathe as deep as I can, mm -hmm. three or four or five times. And then with every inhalation, I say to the words, sometimes out loud, I say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I send out a message to God, thanking. That sets me up to relax and to just witness my breathing. I witness my breathing. I just hear my breathing coming in and out of my lungs, in and out of my nostrils, and I continue to breathe with the music, and I get in a state of very blissful, beautiful lightness. Now, here's where you hear the problems come in. People complain about it. The mind starts tracing. Oh, I got to pick up my kid. Oh, I got to turn off the oven. Oh, I got to do this. That happens to everybody, including me. When those thoughts come in, yeah. you just witness them. You don't react to them. And over time, the thoughts begin to dissolve with your breath. Some people use a mantra. They use the name of God. They use I am. Or they use the name, they use the words, I am loving awareness. I use that. If, if my mind's racing, let's say I have an interview with Vip and I'm rushing around to get it done, but I need to meditate. I want to get my meditation in. And it's hard to shut off my mind. I'll say the words, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. And that creates that space and helps you focus on your breath and shutting off the judging mind. And over time, in that 15 or 20-minute period, your breath takes over, and you feel a sense of ease come upon you. Your eyes are now, closed at this point? Eyes are closed. Eyes are closed. Now, I mentioned earlier that meditation isn't prayer, but I, I do use an activation word like, thank you, I'm grateful. Well, prayer, you're normally asking God for something, but in meditation, you're thanking God. Yeah, 
Yeah, for me, that's those are my words. And there's, by the way, there's so much information out there on the internet. You can Google meditation. There's many of the great leaders that are out there that have their guided meditation. It's not a lot of money. If you want to spend, uh, you know, twenty, thirty dollars, you don't have to spend a dime. You can find meditation music online, uh, or you don't need music at all. Some people tell me that running and jogging and exercise is their peace, and that's I really support exercise. But the the blood the, the the heart rate is high, and your your mind races when you're exercising. It's sort of like a power up. This is what I'm going to get done today. So I would not use exercise to replace meditation. It enhances it. Meditation, as I mentioned earlier, charges you up as you're ready to go on your next project. Like you mentioned, like you have all these wonderful duties in your job in New York. Meditation for you. You could stop off and go into a quiet place and meditate for five or ten minutes before a big meeting. Meditation resets you for the next part of your day. Anytime I have a big part of my day I'm about to approach, I meditate first. And it sets me up and clears the pipeline for intuition, inspiration, ideas. Now, How does one know? How does one know that they have actually achieved a competent level of meditation because if i was to start now i'd be thinking about all this other stuff so you're obviously you've been meditating for quite a while what does your mind see when your eyes are closed and you're meditating you know that's a great question it's a feeling when how does one know when they achieve it's a feeling what i see i see beautiful uh, i see i see beautiful visions beautiful mm -hmm. shapes at times, I see, again, you know, I'm going to ask you to take a leap of faith. I see the face of Christ. I, I feel a sense of connection to my higher self, to source, that words really can't explain. It's a sweet, beautiful, peaceful feeling of safe, security, trust, excitement but in a peaceful way. So it's not and like having a nap on a Saturday afternoon. It's just the opposite. It is refreshing. How do it you is, get out of the meditation? You said it's 20 minutes. So in you, the last three minutes, how do you phase out or phase back into life? It, for me, it's sort of an automatic process. Mm -hmm. I know when I'm done because I feel some of the thoughts start creeping back in. Okay, it's time to get back to work. Or the music ends. If you use a guided meditation, that a bell rings where you have a meditation uh, leader on the phone on, on your CD, and he says, you know, as he goes into the meditation, or she, she'll say, "I'll ring a bell at the end to release the mantra." Some meditations come with mantras. You can get a whole list of them, and you can repeat mantras. I am, and some of the mantras are Sanskrit, which is the beautiful Indian language of God. So it's, it's, it's very, very eye-opening and very, very powerful. So I get out of it just by, I know when it's time to end with the music ends, or if I use a guided meditation, the bell rings. My biggest fear in meditation has always been, I like being highly charged. But if I, I find meditation might lower that charge. You know, it's an excellent question. You know, you, you're not going to lose your edge mm. through meditation. I used to think I would lose my edge. You don't lose your edge. In fact, you sharpen it. 
you sharpen your edge because you quiet the racing mind. You shut off the judgmental mind. And you said the word fear. By the way, you said the word fear many times in our call today. Fear is dissolved and replaced with hope and replaced with enthusiasm, replaced with inspiration. Remember the words on the spiritual list. Fear is not on that list. Fear is on the earth journey list. How would you like to replace the word fear with anticipation and hope and positive feelings of energy? That's what meditation does. It opens up the bandwidth. It opens up the pipeline. It opens up the pipeline to the higher level of intuition that is available to us. Albert Einstein said he did not discover the laws of the universe through the rational thinking mind. He discovered it through intuition. It came to him. The same way great artists, we talked about music stars earlier. Uh, uh, your own Bill O'Reilly was interviewing Brian Wilson. They talked about one of the big Beach Boys hits. I think it was Sail on Sailor or Surfer Girl. And Bill O'Reilly said, how did that come to you? And Brian Wilson said, I don't know. And Bill O'Reilly said, is that God? He says, yes. These things come to us through intuition, through that higher connection to our higher source. And it's very powerful. Uh, teachers in, in, in the East have known this for hundreds of years. But it's just kind of coming uh, West here now, and it's going to be something very, very powerful. Now, in relation to the two journeys you had mentioned, is prayer part of our spiritual journey, which I would expect it to? So does that make meditation part of our Earth journey? Prayer is the connection that we have. You know, when I, when I meditate, I call it my appointment with God at mm -hmm. twice a day. I call it my appointment with my soul. Prayer sends out that thought energy that radiates from the heart. When, we're, when we pray, it is the most truest sense of who we are. All of the shackles, all of the the pre-requisite uh, external earth type of suit that we wear. Shouldn't, shouldn't one analyze their prayer? Because how you pray defines who you are. If you're constantly asking that I want to win this lottery ticket or I want that deal or I want that item or, or whatever, if you actually analyze your prayer, it'll actually dictate who you are. I don't think we need to analyze it because that is comes from the mind. I'd rather pray from the heart because if we have to analyze our prayers, that means we're not confident in them, and that means we're scared that we're not going to say the right thing. That's my interpretation of what you're saying. Most people, I, when they pray, they want something. To a certain well, they, extent, it reflects a level of greed. Well, you know, if it's money... If it's they want money, I think I think people pray for, you know, money for basic needs. You know, they pray for basic needs. Money can supply that. Money can provide that. Prayer, people pray for many things because mm -hmm. they feel that they are not equipped to handle it themselves. And using the balance of prayer and meditation is very, very powerful to manifest what you want in your life. Well, talking about not being equipped, how should one react to negative emotions? Because adversity comes in two forms. You have the short term, and then you have the long term. The so short term could be a quick bad moment. A long term could be something like a painful divorce. How do you handle it? 
That's a great question. I uh, was at a lunch about two weeks ago. Mm. I was meeting a very good friend of mine, and I was about a half hour early. He was running late. I was early. There was a rainstorm, so he was running a little bit late, traffic and, 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 and such. So I pulled into the parking spot, and I had an extra 30 minutes to myself. So I just quiet, uh, closed my eyes, turned on some meditation music, just started relaxing and breathing. It was a big city right outside of, you know, right in, right in a parking lot in, in a big Boston busy area. So there was a lot of traffic. And I, I work out of my home, so a lot of times driving is a new experience for me. Uh, yeah, I, only did, I only drive a few times a week. So I closed my eyes. I started meditating, breathing, and I thought, wow, this is wonderful. I can hear the raindrops. And imagine you're in this beautiful, blissful state of meditation, and I feel, wham! I was awakened out of this beautiful state, and I looked to the right, a woman pulled into the spot next to me. In opening her driver door, slammed it into my passenger side door so hard that it rocked the car. All this happening in a matter of seconds. What's worse is, after she closed her door, she looked at me in the car mm. right next to me, noticed me, startled, and walked away. Now you can imagine what was going through my mind and what's going through our listeners' minds and perhaps your mind. How can this happen? The first part that goes through my mind is, what are you going to say to her, Mr. Heroes, Medicine Friends? Are you going to practice compassion or are you going to go after her? That was the first reaction. My mind took over. Retaliate. This person damaged your car. You need to talk to her about it. But then, because of my... If you want to believe me, my mindful practice and meditation, my heart kicked in and said, wait a minute, what is the desired result you want to achieve, John? Is this woman having a bad day? Maybe she's going in to have someone, uh, a lunch with somebody that just lost their job. Maybe she just lost their job. Maybe she's having a bad day. Remember that pillow I talked about, that space to react with poison control. So... I opened the door, and I said, ma'am. She stopped and turned around. The look on her face was horrified. She knew she did something very, very wrong. And she looked stressed. She looked exasperated. I said, did you know that you dinged my car? I call her the lady door dinger. Do you know that you dinged my car? And she held her hands in the air. She says, I'm sorry. And I said, it's okay, have a nice day. And she walked away. And I stopped for a moment, and I said, that felt so good. Because I didn't want to ruin my lunch with my friend. I didn't want to carry anger into this delicious, beautiful, wonderful Boston restaurant. And I knew, other than... Playing the tape to the end of, I could have followed her in, demanded payment on the car. I could have created a scene. I could have felt like I was getting justice. That would have been the normal thing to do. But what does that serve? Who does that serve? Does it serve her? No. 
she felt terrible. I could tell. And why wouldn't she? She damaged my car. It was a little ding. It wasn't so bad, but it wasn't, you know, if she slammed into it, yes, I would have had to take some sort of action because I would have, you know, I, I would have found a way, you know, to get some sort of replacement. Or maybe not. It depends on how much it would have cost. But my point is, by living in a place of compassion, I was not affected negatively. I had no issues with feeling valid, you know, uh, violated. Mm-hmm. I had no issues with feeling uh, I'm going to get something out of this because when you live in this place of the spiritual journey, you don't feel lack. The reaction, the normal reaction, comes from a place of lack, of I got screwed over. And if you live in that place, like I, like we all do, or I used to, you're never going to be happy. Forgiveness and compassion is not for the weak. It's for the strong. Well, let me stop you right there, John. We've almost come to the end of the show. It's been wonderful having you. What an honor to be here with you. What a, what a stimulating conversation. <laughs> and my friend, you're getting married soon? Yes, end of the month. I'm very excited to marry my beautiful fiance Heidi, who is my soulmate and my best friend, my mentor, and my hero. Well, John, two secrets to keeping your marriage alive. When you're wrong, you admit it, and when you are right, you shut up. <laughs> so thanks for sharing your wisdom again, John. All the best to you and your future. You can find me Vip, at johndowjr.com. Pick up the book there, and I love you to join my email list as well. I send them out. I send out positive emails every day, and uh, I'd love to uh, come back on the show again. And you will. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Your comments and your follow are so very welcome on my Twitter account, at Vip Jaswal, and my Facebook page. Just type in Vip Jaswal Report. Also, let me know what you think about today's show. A special shout-out of thanks to my wonderful team, William Sanchez and Danae Williams. I'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern with more fascinating stories that fill our lives with the inspiration and information we so need to kickstart the week. I wish you a wonderful evening tonight with your family and loved ones, and until next Sunday, have a happy and productive week ahead.